Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with our new guest host, Francesca. How are you doing, Francesca? I'm doing well. It's a fantastic day today. For sure, indeed. So Francesca comes to us with a background in sciences and education, entrepreneurship, a whole bunch of things. So what would you say that you're up to now? Well, right now, I am currently the founder of Top Class Edge Learning, and I like to think that we do education for a better future. That is the entire goal of Top Class Edge Learning. So we aim to empower students to be future ready and to be passionate about learning, whatever it is that they love learning about, whether math, sciences, English. We want them to be passionate and ready for the future. Things are changing really rapidly, and we want mm-hmm. to make sure that students are up to date and that they're ready for what the future has to offer. So we offer education programs in English, like I said, math and sciences, and And really, we're all about helping students succeed in school and beyond in life. Sounds good. And obviously, you didn't always start that way. So I'd love if we rewind it a little bit and talk a little bit about Francesca as a kid. What were you like growing up? What were some early fond childhood memories? Early fond childhood? Yes, early fond childhood memories, reading Harry Potter. I was really big into reading. I've always loved reading as a kid, as a teenager, growing up, even now. So I was one of those weird, quiet kids. I like to call myself (laughs) lovingly the weird, quiet kid. So I wouldn't consider myself at all popular. I moved around a lot in elementary school and then got to high school. I did really, really well in high school. And uh, I eventually I got to be voluntold by mm. my teachers to help my tears. So I say voluntold because it necess- it wasn't at first, it wasn't a volunteer type of situation, but my teachers saw that I was doing really well in school. It was something that I excelled at. And quite frankly, it was something that I liked doing. So more frequently I got voluntold to help my peers and I eventually did grow to love it. Mm. So uh, at, uh, I did win the uh, Governor General Academic Medal as well as getting you know scholarships, but Beyond that, I loved the process of educating. I loved the process of teaching. And I had lots of fun helping my peers get excited and understand concepts, whether it was math or sciences and English. And I even remember things like being right at the cafeteria table at school or being right at the kitchen table at my my home or my parents' home at the time and helping students with that, with whether it was chemistry or biology, math, physics, what have you. And even then, I remember one time I was in a grade 12 chemistry class okay. in while I was still in grade 11. So thing was, I like I said, I really loved I just I loved studying at the time. I was really good at chemistry, physics, biology, math, English, things like that. So I decided to take chemistry, grade 12 chemistry in grade 11. And that would also allow me to kind of free up some grade 12 Uh, some of my time in grade 12 to kind of do other things as well. Mm -hmm. So anyway, took grade 12 chemistry in grade 11 because I love chemistry. I love sciences. And one of my grade 12 student peers was struggling. So she wasn't doing as well in grade 12 chemistry as she wanted to. The teacher saw that and decided, hey, you know what, Francesca, can you help out this this, uh, classmate of yours? Mm -hmm. And of course, I was more than happy to do it. So I remember going over to her house. So we'd play with her cats. We'd play some board games. We'd go over chemistry problems. So I thought, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. I get to make some friends, connect with people, uh, hang out with my classmates, teach some chemistry. Anyway, it all ended up being a really great thing. So fast forward a few years, I kind of honed this knack 
for helping students into a more, we'll say a more developed skill. I learned things that did work to help students or other students. I learned what didn't work as well. Uh, I helped to develop maybe better study strategies, test taking tips. And, and with that top class edge sort of came to be from all of this experience. And that's, that's where we're at today. That's amazing. And I'm wondering if we can kind of dig through a little bit of that story. So obviously, it sounded like that you're a pretty academic kid, did well in school, and obviously, you were able to help others. And uh, you got your first taste of, call it tutoring, uh, at the uh, volunteering <laughs> of a teacher. Um, but in high school, you ended up, uh, I guess, choosing an eventual degree in, in sciences, right? I did. From, from that background, it was said, well, you should become a teacher, right? So, so what was that journey like? Was there like thoughts to become sciences and then go into teaching and education or was education off the mark or what was that uh, decision process like? Yeah, no, really great question. So in high school, I wasn't 100% certain. There were definitely some hints growing up that became more obvious over time. All I knew in high school was I loved sciences. It was <laughs> something that I was really good at. I understood it well. And so I decided, okay, you know what? Got into the University of Toronto and pursued sciences simply because I loved it and thought to myself, you know what? There are so many different options with sciences, whether it's research, whether it's administrative, whether it's education or teaching, whether it's what have you, medicine. So there are so many different options with sciences. And I figured, okay, let's go into sciences and explore this passion that I have. Mm -hmm. And along the way, I'll sort of figure out which, I'll, I'll narrow down which field makes the more sense, depending on how, uh, how my strengths align with various career options and trajectories. Anyway, so what happened was I developed this knack for educating, as I'd mentioned, that started out in high school and then grew as I got through university. And finished university right out of school, something kind of interesting happened in that I, I ended up working at CIBC head office, okay. uh, which, again, was a bit of a change. <laughs> but regardless, I got this uh, great position at CIBC out of high or sorry, out of university, which I thought was a great opportunity because it was a corporate job. You know, it was a real job, quote unquote, work downtown, uh, great pay, great benefits, amazing team, a little bit different from sciences, but mm -hmm. still willing to explore and wanted to explore there as well. Um, I always kept that that love for sciences, that love for education as well in the back of my mind all throughout my time at CIBC. And it became clearer and clearer over the years that education, sciences, all of that was something to pursue. And the turning point really came when I asked myself, I remember sitting at my office job at my desk thinking, okay, what do I really, really want out of life? What is my purpose? What is the most significant way that I think I can make an impact? And so with that, I really put all of my, my effort and my love into top class edge. I uh, decided to leave the bank at that time. And really throughout this journey, I've been really honored to help lots of students to go on to do incredible things. So really, it's, it's always all about the students and helping them with their journeys. So I've been very grateful and I'm deeply honored to get to help students do incredible things. Um, getting into their dream schools, of course, UFT, McMaster, Waterloo, McGill, but also places in the US, which is really interesting too. So Yale, Brown, Cornell, UCLA, but equally as important as getting those those marks or getting into those dream schools, I think is seeing students become more confident and develop their own opinions, become more who they are, enjoy the process of learning and then develop those skills, like I said, not only for school, but also for life. So I think that's that's the most rewarding part. And that's how that that journey came about. That's amazing. And it seems like that love of education always uh, shined through and there was always that underpinning there. I love you shared a little bit about, uh, I guess, that transition from university to uh, 
to, well, I guess, banking or to the business world. Because, I mean, if, if for those with a sciences degree, the automatic choice would not be to go to a bank, <laughs> right? No, it so wouldn't. How, how did that opportunity come about? Was it just kind of serendipity? And, and how did you say, well, let's, let's go with this. You mentioned uh, being open to opportunity, you just want to explore, but it's one of those things where like, hey, should I just take an opportunity that's right in front of me? Or should I go into research, education, medicine, whatever? Like, how, how is that decision-making process for you? Yeah, so with the bank, it was a serendipitous event. And I thought to myself at that time, I knew I loved sciences. I knew I loved education. I wanted to find a way to bring those things together. And I also just wanted real world experience. I really emphasized the importance of getting real world experience. I had some, of course, growing up, tutoring and just doing various activities, doing various things as I was going through university. Mm -hmm. But I thought, okay, this, this opportunity presented itself. And it was too it was too difficult to pass up at the time and uh yeah so basically that's how that came to be but in terms of the details was it just like you walked into a branch and say here's a job or or is it like a family friend that that uh, you, you reached out to and someone said hey we need to, we need to hire you uh if you don't mind sharing a little bit of the specifics of that yeah i know like i said it was just serendipitous uh, i didn't have it on my radar necessarily and it just sort of came up and uh I ended up at the bank. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you ended up obviously transitioning into the, the tutoring world back into to education. And then I saw on, on your LinkedIn, you had uh, kind of a negotiations liaison time in between. Can you walk us through a little bit from that tutoring to that negotiation and then obviously to the founding of, of Top Class? What was that experience like? Yeah, so with my work experience, again, the idea was to just continue building up with uh, uh, with education. So with the time at uh, as a negotiation liaison, it was really to help me develop those skills, those real world skills that I wanted to help to deliver to my students. And I thought to myself, okay, what is a way that I can get some real world education uh, and then deliver that to my students. This was another one of those serendipitous events that presented mm -hmm. itself and thought to myself, okay, great, if I can pick up some skills here and then help students in some way, then that's what I wanted to do. And throughout this entire thing, really the focus has been and continues to be education, top class edge. How can I deliver the best kind of education, uh, well-rounded education, holistic education and academically or academically focused education to students? And yeah, that's, that's where we're at. Sounds good. So obviously you've developed your tutoring business, uh, top class edge into uh, a thriving uh, business. I'm wondering if you could Tell, take us back in time and, and share a little bit of maybe that, that first tutor. So obviously the classmate in chemistry was more just volunteering, being voluntold, but at some point someone paid you to do that. <laughs> what was the kind of the, the first, uh, I guess, paid tutoring gig that, that uh, you had? Honestly, it's been so long. I can't remember. I've been doing this for decades at this rate. So I can't, okay. I wish I had one of those beautiful, oh, I remember my very first student <laughs> that I was paid for. Honestly, I, I wish I did, but I couldn't. I will say one of the most memorable students I've taught earlier on in my tutoring career was a student who actually hated sciences. And I started out with sciences, that being my my first love, my first passion and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And at least as far as teaching and education goes. And this student came to me, the mother, her mother was very, I guess had some concerns because at that time the student wasn't very driven or wasn't, didn't really have much direction of what she wanted to do or where she wanted to go. She was just sort of flitting about or floating about as, as far as school goes. So the mom had some concerns, not only about how she was doing in biology, which was the subject that I was teaching her, but also about just a career path direction, where she, what she wanted to do. And anyway, 
turned out that uh, I tutored her for a couple of years through biology and maybe something clicked eventually. I, I would like to think that something clicked, at least she, that's what she said to me. And she decided to eventually go into nursing. So that that was really inspiring to me. And that uh, that definitely gave me a bit of a nudge to say, you know what, this is this is why I love doing what I do. I mean, here's the student who at the beginning, when I first met her, you know, didn't really have any sort of passions or interests, wasn't really sure what she wanted to do. And at the end, decided to go into nursing, loved our tutoring sessions, improved as a result of them, and then decided to apply that to a career that she she found rewarding. So yeah, I, that was probably one of the more memorable times that I can think of yeah. as far as tutoring and paid tutoring. Sounds good. And I'm wondering if you could share um, kind of the the conversations with, with with family and those around you as you made the decision to go into like uh, the, the business world or education uh, full time. So the, the way that I, I'm playing it in my head is uh, a lot of um, kids of, of, of immigrant parents, they want their kids to be doctors, lawyers, accountant, engineers. So I have this daughter who is great at sciences and she is my hope to be a, a doctor. And then, well, decides to go to a bank. Is like, was that an easy conversation? Your, your parents were supportive of that. Uh, what was that conversation? And then that transition to, to tutoring, that must've been another interesting conversation. So could you share a little bit on, on those two uh, decisions? Well, to start, I have amazing parents. So <laughs> I really, I, I do understand where that comes from. And I, I, I do see it in my students as well. I, I also see it, you know, over social media and I hear about it through others. I have supporting supportive parents and I have amazing parents. Of course, they maybe they had initially some ideas about where they wanted me to go. And mm -hmm. yeah, there were some, some difficult conversations along the way. But as far as my family background and how they influenced me, so both of my parents, they're the hardworking professionals, <laughs> immigrants from the Philippines. And what they really taught me was the importance of hard work, having a good education, being of service, family, community. So those were the, the values that they instilled. And for them, I think what was important was just taking those values and being of service, doing something good for the world. So that did partially draw me to education. And they always knew that I, I had this knack and this talent for, for education, for school, for teaching. And for them and for myself, I saw tutoring as a way to use my gifts and talents directly to impact others, um, in particular students who are struggling. So, I mean, maybe there were maybe some difficult conversations about the future, but I mean, I don't know what parent and what child doesn't have some kind of a, a difficult or complicated conversation at some uh, point in time about what they want to do in the future. But all I can say is, as for my parents, I feel like I really lucked out. I have great parents. They're supportive. <laughs> Maybe they had some expectations of what they they wanted or what they saw for me versus what I ended up doing. But uh, yeah, the, like I said, it's a, it was more about the values that they instilled and doing something positive. So uh, it all kind of worked out. Sounds good. It, it seems like that your parents uh, really allowed you a bit of that freedom and flexibility where they trusted you. So obviously, parents will always have their uh, preconceived notions, but they, they, they trusted that you understood the path that you were putting yourself on. And uh, obviously, they, they uh, were able to see the, the success that came out of it. I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about like the founding of Top Class, because uh, previously you were doing kind of tutoring on, on the side a little bit, right, as a student, and then you want to formalize it a little bit more into like a business. Can you walk us through that, the, the process of, well, maybe, maybe choosing the name or like what was the offering and, and all that good stuff around uh, starting a, a uh, startup, a small business? 
So that sprung up naturally and very organically. So with me, I had students who were interested in taking lessons with me ever since, I mean, really university. Mm -hmm. So it, it just sort of grew naturally and very organically. And it just got to a point where eventually I had all these students in my calendar and my calendar became more and more full. So I guess I decided to formalize it when I realized, okay, maybe there's something here and I, I'm, I'm making more here than let's than, than my, um, my corporate job. So it made sense, I guess. And uh, it just came about organically, I would say. Uh, and then I thought to myself, okay, well, if I'm going to do this, I better make it legit. <laughs> so <laughs> decided to, to turn it into an actual business and incorporate and whatnot. And the name came about I don't remember the details of it. It was so long ago, but really I thought to myself, I wanted it to make sense and really appeal to the, the students where, or and the parents that I wanted to work with and the ones that who mm -hmm. wanted to work with me. So class, you know, that makes sense because students go to class edge uh, in order to have that future ready edge for the future. And then top, because we want to be at the top of our game. We want to do our best. We want to make yep. our best effort. So kind of just smushed some words together that made sense and that, <laughs> that also aligned with the students and the parents who I hope to serve. And that, that's how Top Class Edge came to be. Sounds good. And, and not only are you a, a business owner, you're also a published author, a podcaster, YouTuber. I'd love if you walk us through the process of, of those. So for those that are watching a video, the book is right here. <laughs> um, and it's about personal finance. So that's a little bit different than education, but obviously it's education about personal finance. So walk us through a little bit about uh, kind of those areas uh, that you started to create content for the book, the podcast, YouTube. Essentially, that came out from students' questions. So I realized as I was going through, and really part of the, the big mission with Top Class Edge is to offer life skills and things that maybe aren't really covered as much as they could be or should be. Nowadays, schools are taking more uh, more steps towards introducing things like financial literacy and mm -hmm. things like mental health into the curriculum, and that's an absolutely great step. But I also wanted to to support that and supplement that as well, uh, so that students could have it uh, could could see it from maybe more than one perspective and could kind of get that instruction from more than one place. So with financial literacy, that was something that at least me when I was growing up, I didn't see as much as I wanted to, and I thought to myself, okay, if I'm a student right now, if I'm in high school, if I'm in maybe even elementary school, what's something that would really benefit me so that years out when I'm in university, even when I'm in high school uh, and beyond that, when I'm an adult, what's something that I could learn right now that would benefit me for years to come? And I thought to myself, personal finance, financial literacy, right? Even learning how to, for, for the younger students, learning how to make change, right? It could be something so simple um, for the older students that might be saving, that might be budgeting, mm -hmm. that might be even learning words like investing so that it doesn't seem like this threatening, scary, daunting thing that they've never seen before in right. adulthood. You know, that's something that I would have loved to experience as a, a kid or growing up in high school and throughout university. So I thought to myself, okay, maybe if I can compound or put all of my knowledge into this, this book in a very relatable way where it's engaging, where it's interesting, it's not super dry or daunting or threatening, then that's what I was hoping would benefit students of today. And that's how the book came to be. Uh, same thing with the content, the podcasts, as well as my YouTube channel. That, that sprouted or that came about from questions that students were asking me. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm getting these questions a lot. If I'm getting these questions a lot, I can only imagine how many more students out there, how many more parents out there are maybe in their heads asking these questions or they're just not asking me directly, right? 
So I thought, okay, let me let me go ahead and just create this material, create this content. If the students that I'm I'm teaching now or that we're teaching now are benefiting or they're asking these questions and want answers to these questions, there are probably lots more people out there who would benefit from some kind of a from some kind of content on this material. And that's that's how it came to be. I focus on things like future readiness. I focus on things like different career options, just presenting, for example, uh, what it looks like to be a doctor, what it looks like to be an accountant, what it looks like to be uh, an engineer or what have you from people who are actually in the industry, because so many students are, they they have those questions and they wonder, what is it really like? You know, yeah. what, what is it like to go through the, the journey of going through medical school and whatnot? So being able to give them a window into that, I think is really valuable and is something that I wish I had. That makes perfect sense. And it seems like a natural next step and, and progression uh, to kind of take those questions and then document it in a book, podcast, YouTube. But uh, you mentioned that, well, investment is something that might be daunting to someone who's never heard of it. But writing a book is probably that same <laughs> um, area for, for a lot of folks. So what was your approach to kind of writing the book, starting a podcast, YouTube? Like for some people, it's like, oh, my gosh, like that's an overwhelming um, concept. So, so how did you go about, uh, let's say, starting with the book? Jeez, I... You know, this is something that has always been in the back of my mind for some time. I mean, I can't say always, I guess, to be more precise. It had been a couple of years that I was thinking about, oh, I really need to do something as far as financial literacy, because more and more students were, number one, asking questions, but more and more students were also maybe going out into the world and not really prepared as far as financial literacy goes. So they didn't have that financial literacy to take them through let's say the, those first couple of years, whether it's university or in the workforce. So it had been sitting in the back of my mind. And finally I sat down and thought to myself, okay, if I don't do this now, it was the beginning of the year. Uh, and I thought to myself, or it was the beginning of this year actually. And I thought to myself, okay, new year, I'm gonna do this. I, I had that you know whole new year energy, I guess it was. And sat down, just buckled down and did it. You know, I thought to myself, nope, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna dissuade myself. I'm not going to, let all these scary thoughts and fears get to me. I'm just going to sit down and do it. And I did it. And uh, one page at a time, I, I actually chunked it up. So one thing that I like to do when it comes to large projects like this, especially when there's no strict deadline that's externally given is I just give myself internal deadlines. I just, or, well, I put them uh, into my calendar and I just give myself deadlines essentially to make sure that things are completed. So I, I said, you know, uh, let's say for example, by the end of this week, I'm gonna have chapter one done or something like that. Oh, and then by the end of next week, I'm gonna have chapter two done. And then it's just a matter of uh, breaking down that larger kind of goal into smaller pieces, into smaller pieces, into smaller pieces. And even something as daunting or even something as vague as get chapter one done, that can be really vague and daunting as well. So sure. breaking that down into smaller uh, milestones becomes um, helpful or became helpful, at least in my process. So rather than say, get chapter one done by the end of this week, for example, it would be do the research and uh, I don't know, put down into words like five paragraphs or something like that. So essentially just breaking it down into what might be considered, let's say, smart goals and then executing on that. <laughs> that was a big part of my process. That's awesome. So, so there sounds like that uh, there is a systematic process, project planning, let's call it, uh, for the, the writing of the book. And then what about the, the tactical part of like getting it published, available on Amazon and such? Uh, what was your, your process to, to figure that part out? Because that is often a bottleneck for folks as well. Yeah, there is a great book. It's by Igor Klebanov. 
and uh, it's called, it was, I think it's getting retitled, but anyway, it's called the, it was called the bestseller blueprint. It might still mm -hmm. be available on Amazon. And I, I definitely refer to that a lot. And uh, I'm just going to put a disclaimer out that that is my husband. So there we go. Um, <laughs> so I, I definitely referred to that book and uh, it gave me a lot of, let's say, tactical elements, uh, tactical points just to get it actually done, if that makes sense, or to put it up on Amazon and whatnot. Yeah, that's how that kind of happened. So, so the lesson learned to get a book published is to marry someone who wrote a book on getting a book published <laughs> and then everything flows easily from there. <laughs> I would say that if, if you have a mentor, I think having a mentor is probably the most valuable uh, as far as getting things like a book or, or what have you done. I mean, mentors are so, I think they're, we'll call them shortcuts to success, not mm -hmm. in a way that, you know, and not in any sort of negative way, but in, in a way that mentors have been there, they've done that, they've made a ton of mistakes along the way and then they condense that and then they present it to you someone who is going through that journey for the first time so i would say mentorship and having a mentor who has walked that path and they've done so successfully will really help as far as speeding up the process if that's what you're looking to do especially if they can help you get around those those pitfalls or at least help you navigate through them maybe a little bit better than if you were alone uh yeah so having a mentor i think is is the tip and the key here for sure. And I like to say it's, it's more accelerating career success versus a shortcut because you're not cutting corners by any means or, or not right. doing stuff. It's, it's making sure that you're still doing all the steps, but doing in a, in a more uh, effective and e efficient way. Um, there we go. Yeah. Accelerating is probably the better word there. You're absolutely <laughs> right. There's no cutting corners. It's more of just optimizing the process. Absolutely. You're supposed to still do the work. And I'd love if you shared a little bit on the, the podcast YouTube. Was it similar? Did you have a, a mentor uh, or someone that helped you accelerate your, your process there? Or is it just a, it, figure it out? It's all on YouTube. Figured it out along the way. So I guess <laughs> I have mentors. They're informal mentors in that they don't know they're my mentors. Yeah. So it's a matter of reading content, watching what's out there, and then condensing that or turning that into my podcast or turning that into my YouTube channel or using that in order to create my YouTube channel and mm -hmm. my podcast. So I have informal mentors. I, I I plug or I take from a lot of different kind of sources and just go ahead and uh, combine that into what is now my YouTube channel and what is now my podcast. But yeah, the, pretty much a similar process, but not as direct. <laughs> For sure. And I'd love folks to consider that where not all mentors have to be someone that you've had a coffee chat with or Zoom chat with. It could be someone that you just kind of observe from afar and, and kind of emulate and say, oh, that worked for them. That could probably work for me because sometimes a mentor is something as, as simple as that. Uh, and I'd love if you, as we close off the podcast to uh, share a little bit of your swag. So I know you've shared a lot of that uh, as we went through the journey, but are there any particular ones that you want to emphasize or kind of new ones that, that you want uh, the audience to uh, be aware of? So for stuff I wish I knew earlier, we talked a little bit about financial literacy, but mm -hmm. I think in a broader sense, life skills. So to me, education, in addition to academics, there's so much more to a well-rounded, a full education. And academics are important, so don't get me wrong. That's why I'm very focused on academic excellence. That's something that I emphasize because it's something that, you know, uh, what, that was something that I was very strong at, and it's something that a lot of students need help with. So academics, absolutely. But thinking long-term, what I ask students and what I ask people to think about is what else is important for success beyond school, beyond academics, right? So 
that is life skills. That's things like uh, time management. That's those. Are, that's uh, organization, effective communication. So not only do these things help with the academic side of things, by the way, they also support success beyond the classroom. So it's kind of cool because these life skills are going to help with the academics on one end, and then they're going to help you after school, meaning when you're, let's say, in the workforce and had your career going. And another thing I think related to the life skills aspect is to think in years, not weeks or months. Mm -hmm. This is very much related to the idea of life skills. So the question that I like to ask myself and that I hope and that I ask students as well as their parents is that what are some skills and habits that if you started them today would serve you not only in math or English or sciences, but also in university, but and also in your career beyond these couple of semesters or beyond even this semester. Right. So to think in to think beyond the weeks, to think beyond the months even and to think in years. So uh, you have to do a little bit of both. Of course, because there are some there are such things as short term girl uh, short term goals and also long term goals. Yeah. But basically, don't stop at the short term goals. Don't sacrifice long term goals in order to only meet short term goals. For sure, uh, a lot to, to unpack there. And uh, what I took from it is that life skills, those foundational skills, call it soft skills, human skills, twenty first century skills, whatever you want. But those foundational things that like time management, learning to learn. Uh, building relationships and connecting with others those are often what makes you more successful than than uh calculus physics and and math and science and all that so that stuff is important but really uh getting let's say an a in that is usually the culmination of all those other things that allowed you to to get to that point so definitely uh thinking more about the learning versus the actual grade itself is, is definitely an important skill and thinking a little, a little bit long term is definitely helpful where a lot of folks they see till the next midterm, the next term, the next whatever versus, well, what do you want to do with your degree when you graduate and things like that? Sometimes taking a bit of time to ponder that can be mm -hmm. helpful. And what I found was uh, a little bit of the, the underpinning is when you talked about like financial literacy, literacy, what came to mind was compound interest, right? And that's for money that uh, compounds and builds itself. But you talked about skills that uh, what could you do in, in a week and a month and compound interest for your own life skills? <laughs> because when you get better at time management, building relationships or whatever, uh, if you do it little by little every day, then by the time you're 22, 30, whatever, then that would compound and give you a significant return versus you start uh, later <laughs> whenever you get to it. So I think those are uh, amazing uh, pieces of advice for your younger self. And I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about uh, what we can look forward to hearing from you uh, in the future. So future plans and aspirations. And if folks want to reach out, where could they connect with you? Well, for Top Class Edge, I'm just excited to make a greater impact. So I want to help more students, myself and my team anyway. We want to make more of an impact, help more students, help more learners across the GTA and beyond. So that's for Top Class Edge. I mean, the heart of it is to inspire and create a better world, a better future. So the more we can do that, the, the better. Uh, as for myself, it's going to be a busy year. So just looking forward to uh, wrapping up this summer that we're having and getting going with a, another busy year. Where can you find more information about myself? Where can you reach me? The best way is probably through my website. So that's topclassedge.com. Again, topclassedge.com. That's probably the best place to find me. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. So that's just my name, Francesca Cadhit. Go ahead and find me on LinkedIn. And uh, I'm happy to connect there as well. That's awesome. So thanks so much, uh, Francesca, for sharing your story. And uh, hopefully we'll have you back for a future episode. Absolutely. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure.
Take care. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.